For the last three weeks, we've been looking at the subject of deliverance. <clears throat> and I'm sure that you have been blessed. I was on the phone with somebody yesterday, a pastor in the UK who said he's been following this message. And he said to me, I like your approach to this topic. Because we have such a mess in the body of Christ when it comes to the subject of deliverance. A lot of people have been stripped of their rights and authority and freedom they had when they first gave their lives to Christ. Because of the way the message of deliverance has been presented to them. And what you believe will determine the outcome of your life. And so I had this conversation with this pastor which I've been following you. And actually, as we were talking, he just kept reminding me of some of the things that I've said over these weeks. And I hope that this message has been helping you and opening up your eyes to the truth when it comes to the subject of deliverance. For the last three weeks, I have shown you in the Word of God that a believer in Christ have been delivered from curses. In every form of demonic influence. Can I say that again? For the last three weeks, I have shown you that a believer in Christ have been delivered from every curse, from every curse and from every demonic influence. One of the texts that we have looked at extensively is Colossians chapter 1 and verses 13 and 14, which says, He hath delivered us. From the power of darkness. The kingdom of darkness has power. But the kingdom of darkness does not have power over the believer in Christ. <laughs> the word power here in Colossians 1.13 is delivered us from the power of darkness. Is the word exousia in the Greek which means a right. The kingdom of darkness had right over me. The kingdom of darkness had right over you. But the day we gave our hearts to Christ, the right the kingdom of darkness had over us was broken. Hmm. The word exousia here is the same word used in the gospel of John chapter 1 and verse 12. Where it says, he came unto his own, and his own did not receive him. But to as many as received him, to them he gave power, or the word is right, the word is exousia in the Greek. To them he gave the right to become the sons of God, even to them that believeth on his name. The day you gave your heart to Christ, you were given the right to be a believer. Can someone say amen? amen? The right that the kingdom of darkness had over you was broken. Now Jesus has right over your life. And it is not possible for Jesus and the devil to have right over you at the same time. Jesus takes a minute, the devil takes a minute. Jesus takes an hour, the devil takes an hour. But I'm going to show you too because this is one of the things that I emphasized last Sunday. That yes, we have been delivered. But there are still believers, Christians, that still come under the influence of the demonic. Amen. 
Are you listening to me? So yes, he has delivered us from the power of darkness, the influence. He had translated us. I won't say I've been translated. The word in the Greek for translated is the word methistemi. It means to move. It means to carry out. Come on, say amen. amen. It means to carry away. It means to exchange. The word translated is methistemi, to carry away, to move, to transfer. So here is the picture that I showed you. Look at me now. I showed you a believer who was once an unbeliever, bound in the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of darkness would exercise authority and dominion over that person. Is that correct? And you and I know and you and I would agree that everyone that does not have Christ in them is controlled by the devil. Is that correct? Okay. So they are under the demonic influence, under the power of the enemy, right? But the day came when Jesus reached out to them and brought them out. When he brought them out, now I like the simplicity of this message. If you understand the simplicity of this message, then deliverance will become easy. I think a lot of people have complicated the message on deliverance. And so many people are so twisted in their minds, they don't even know which way is up. This is very easy. Jesus reached out to me when I was bound. When the devil had authority and right over me. And when Jesus reached out to me, I extended my faith. Which in actual fact was given to me by him. Because I had nothing to offer him. The only thing I had to offer him was my sin. I was messed up. I was a hell deserving sinner. I was bound. Is that correct? So when he, the righteous son of God, came to me. He, he had everything to offer me and I had nothing good to offer him. All that I had was a mess. Can I have a witness? Good. All I had was a mess. So when he came to me, he offered me his righteousness and took away my unrighteousness. He offered me his peace and took away my sorrow. He offered me his freedom and took away my bondage. So he did not just save me. He also brought me out. Out of the kingdom of darkness ruled by Satan. Everything that Satan has to offer is in the kingdom of darkness. Everything. But he came and moved me out of the kingdom of darkness and he moved me into which, which kingdom? Kingdom of the son of his love. Right? So now, as a born-again Christian, I no more live in the kingdom of darkness where I was influenced and controlled by Satan and all that Satan had to offer. Now I am in the kingdom of the son of his love. And in this kingdom, guess who is the king? Jesus is the king. And in this kingdom, guess who is authority? Jesus is authority. 
And in this kingdom, guess what is obtainable and available to the believer? The Holy Spirit. The Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. In this kingdom, guess what's available and obtainable? The angels of God. For those that be for us are more than those that are for them. In this kingdom, guess what's available? The blood of the Lamb of God that washed away my sin. That does not just wash away sin, but it keeps me protected. Come on now, say amen. amen. In the kingdom, guess what is available? Righteousness. Not just what I'm able to do, but what Jesus did. And what Jesus did, he gave to me. I did not pay to be righteous. Righteousness was imputed in me. I couldn't pay for it. He gave it anyways. Come on now, say amen. amen. Guess what is available in this kingdom? Freedom and liberty. I am no more bound by the devil. Guess what's available in this kingdom? Divine immunity. Divine protection. Witches and wizards can do all they want to do. They can touch me. I am protected. The blood of Jesus protects me. The angels of God are with me 24-7. Even when I go to bed, they don't sleep. They watch over me to protect me. Come on now, say amen. amen. Let the devil foam in the mouth all he wants. Let the devil plot and plan and scheme and connive all he wants. There is nothing the devil can do to me. Not because of me, but because of who is with me. Amen. Now, this... This is the picture that every Christian must see. But here is a picture that we have seen for so many years. Jesus came and reached out to us when we were bound. All the curses was upon us. All that our fathers and forefathers had done was upon us. Is that correct? So when Jesus came to reach out to us, Jesus brought us out of this kingdom that is ruled by evil and sickness and the demonic. And when he brought us out, he brought us out with some of the curses. Now, we still have some curse over our lives and we need some prophets to help us. Because Jesus didn't do it well. We need some apostles to help us because Jesus did not do a good work. We need some preachers to come help us and break the generational curse off of our lives. Because when Jesus came to set us free, he only delivered our spirits. But left us bound in every other area. That is what we have believed. And that's an insult to the finished work of Jesus on Calvary. That's an insult. That's a big insult. The way you believe will determine the way you live. As a man thinketh, so is that man. Be careful what you're listening to. Be careful what you're believing. Because what you're, gonna, what you're believing is going to affect the way you live your life. We have believed lie for too long. And the Lord began to stir this message in my heart sometime last year. And I took the time to prepare it. Because I was thinking about, no, how do I bring this? Because, you know, bringing a message like this is swimming against the current. I'm going against what people have preached. I'm going against popular opinion. I'm going against what many of you believe. What has been taught to many of you for many, many years. And what we're doing for the last three, four weeks is a paradigm shift that's taking place in the way people think. I was in a church in Germany. This was some years ago. And I began to touch this whole message on binding the devil in the atmosphere. The spirits that are up there in the sky. 
for your prayers to get to God, you have to first bind them. And if you don't bind them, when you pray, your prayers will not get to heaven. And even if your prayers manage to get to heaven, the angels that are delivering the answer will not get to you. Why? Because there are demons in the air. The pastor came to me and said, please don't touch that. I'm not kidding you. He said, don't preach that. That's what I've taught my people. I didn't know what you taught your people. I just came up to preach the word of God. One thing led to another. I began to touch that. He said to me, please, just leave that alone. People have been brainwashed. They never take the time to look at God's word for themselves and ask the question, is this true? People run from deliverance service to deliverance service. And you look at their lives, they don't look like they are delivered. So if you've been to deliverance service after deliverance service, if every time you pray, it's about what happened to your forefathers that shouldn't happen to you. Is every, if every time you pray, it's about breaking this and breaking that. Have you realized how conscious you have become to the demonic than you are of the Holy Ghost? Have you realized how aware of the demonic power that you even go to bed, you can't sleep well at night because you are more aware of demons than you are aware of the angels of God? I'm preaching good now. You are more aware of the curse upon your father and your forefather than you are aware of the blessing that Jesus said I brought to you. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you might have life. And have it more abundantly. Where, where is the abundant life that Jesus said he came to give us? Oh, but pastor, before you get that abundant life, you need deliverance first. Okay. How many times do I have to go through deliverance? Because I, I heard of a pastor who goes through deliverance every year. Beginning of every year, January. He goes through deliverance for the beginning of the year so that he will be delivered and free. So my question is, why are you going through deliverance? People are messed up. If you haven't heard my first three messages on this subject, please, I encourage you, go to riverestanbul.com, that website, and go listen to these messages. They'll change your life. Many years ago, a brother came, and we were about to start praying. And he began to sing, Holy Ghost, pursue, pursue, I pursue. Holy Ghost, pursue, pursue, pursue. Holy Ghost, destroy, destroy, destroy. Holy, what's up with people? Pursue who? Who's pursuing you? Huh? Who's, who's pursuing you? You need to be the one pursuing the devil out of town. Do this to your neighbor. Say, wake up, don't sleep now. Pastor is preaching good. But I showed you reasons. Even though we know we've been delivered. Say, say I've been delivered. Yes, we have been delivered. But I understand there are reasons why a Christian can come under the influence of the demonic. And yes, it happens. So today, I want to reiterate some of the things that I said to you last Sunday. 
One of the reasons why some Christians are still under the influence of the demonic, even though they were delivered, is because they failed to submit to the Lordship of Jesus. Jesus is not your insurance card. He is not your insurance papers you pull out when you need him. If Jesus is not Lord of all, you're going to give access to demons into your life. Now, I'm not saying they will enter you, but they can oppress you. Because a Christian, I come to this thing again. Can a Christian have a demon? Can a Christian be possessed? No, a Christian cannot be possessed. A Christian cannot have a demon. In actual fact, the Bible says my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. My body is a temple. Everyone say my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So this temple cannot be shared with demons. The Holy Spirit alone has this temple. But a Christian can be oppressed. There is fear. And fear is an oppression of the devil. Is that correct? Acts 10, 38, what does it say? How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good, healing all those who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So sickness is an oppression of the devil. But that does not mean that the demon lives in you. Because the demon can't live in you because you are a child of God. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. Know ye not that ye are the house of God and the Holy Spirit dwell within you? Can someone say amen? amen. But, but as a believer, we must understand the importance of submitting to the Lordship of Christ. If Jesus would not have all of you, then you're going to open yourself up to the devil. And that's why the Bible says in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Can I tell you who the thief comes to steal from? Believers. In this, in this context right now. So you have no authority if you are not under authority. Should I say that again? You have no authority if you are not under authority. The, the highest authority is the authority of the word of God. Can someone say amen? amen? So if you are not submitting to God, now somebody will pass God, how do I submit to God? Submit to his word. Can someone say amen? amen? The Bible says in James 4, 7, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will what? Flee from you. Now notice, it says you can't resist the devil until you first submit to God. Hmm. That's where people get it wrong. They are there binding devils and binding their fathers, generational fathers, whatever. They are there breaking curses, but they refuse to submit to God. You can bind demons all you want. If you don't submit to the lordship of Jesus, if you don't submit to the authority of the word of God, if you don't live the life that God's word tells you to live, you can bind demons all you want. Those demons will not be bound. The seven sons of Sceva tried it. They pulled a man who had a demon. They said in the name of Jesus that Paul preached, come out. The man said to them, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. Who are you? Submitting to the Lordship of Jesus is the key to freedom. 
Because if you have, if you have authority, it's because you submit to authority. Remember when the centurion came to Jesus and he said to him, My servant is lying at home sick. Please come and do what? Come and heal him. And Jesus said, I'll come to your house. And what did the man say? The man said, you don't have to come under my roof, but you can speak the word. For I am a man under authority. I have authority. I know authority. I have authority. I recognize authority. Are you, are you seeing that? And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, I haven't found such faith, not even in Israel. Because the man understood authority. The man understood that as a soldier, he was under authority. And the reason he was under authority was because he was a soldier under the Roman Empire. Right? And he had soldiers under him. When he spoke to the soldiers under him, they obeyed him not just because of him. They obeyed him because of the uniform. Huh. Are you listening now to me? Are you listening now to me? So it's very important that we submit to the authority of God if we want to also have authority over demons. So some of you, instead of binding demons, bind yourself to the will of God. Some of you didn't like that. That's why a few people clapped. <laughs> Failure to submit to the Lordship of Jesus is the one, it's one of the reasons I gave you why some Christians are still under the influence of the devil. Because if you're not submitted to Jesus, you have no authority over demons. Are you listening to me? Number two reason is ignorance. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, the Bible says, My people are destroyed for a lack of what? Knowledge. Knowledge. Psalms 82 verse 5 to 7. Remember what the Bible says there? I call this the father of all revelations regarding who we are in Christ. God says there, ye are gods. All of you are the children of the Most High. But because you don't know, you shall die like a mere man. Ignorance is the problem. Though you are gods, though you all come from me, but because you are ignorant, you shall die like somebody who doesn't even know who they are. Are you seeing that? That ignorance is the problem? Can someone say, God help me? The, the third reason I gave you is false doctrine and false practices. There are false doctrines concerning this. False doctrines. And the fourth reason I gave you is the lack of the fire of God. If you don't have the fire of God, flies will come on your stove. The fifth reason I gave you is open doors. Everyone say open doors. If doors are open in your life, demons will want to get in and mess you up. One of the ways that people open doors into their lives is through strife. The Bible says wherever there is strife, there is all forms of what? Wickedness. Close the door. Don't allow strife in your life. Don't allow strife in your relationships. Don't allow strife in the church. The moment we detect strife in our leadership, we nip it in the bud immediately. Are you listening now? Fear and anxiety. People are anxious about tomorrow. They're worried. Jesus said, don't worry. Sin. The sin you know. The sin you know. Will open the door to the enemy. The sin you know. You deliberately commit. To open the door. 
And be careful what you're doing. You don't want to cross the line that you may, never, you may not be able to return back from. Be careful what you're watching. I'm preaching good now. Be careful what you're listening to. You may cross the line and you may not be able to come back. Some people have opened up their minds to demons. I heard a story of this woman who opened up her mind to the devil. And basically demons began to control her mind. She was in a mental institution for a number of years until an anointed man of God came and was able to help her. Be careful. Be careful. Be careful what you're doing. Preaching good now. It's easy to blame your father and blame your mother and blame your uncle in the village and blame your, your auntie. But if you're not living right, your uncle in the village can easily get you. Don't blame them. Because if you're living right, they can't touch you. The Bible says the wicked one cannot touch you. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 4, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The Bible says in 1 John 5, 4, whosoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. The Bible says in Psalms 91, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. If you read that in the Amplified Classic, it says where no foe can access. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I trust and confidently rely. He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He will hide you under His feathers and under His wings you shall find refuge. His truth shall be your shield and your buckler. Come on now, say amen. amen. It says, a thousand may fall at your side, amen. ten thousand at your right hand, amen. but it shall not come near you. Amen. Only with your eyes shall you behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because you've set your love upon him, therefore he'll deliver you. He'll be with you in trouble. Amen. Come on now, say amen. amen. With, with long life will he satisfy you and show you his salvation. Amen. He that dwelleth in the secret place. Not those who, Pastor God, well, I want to do something outside the secret place. No, always stay in the secret place and the enemy will not be able to gain access there. No, I'm not saying that people will not try to touch you. I'm not saying that the wicked will not try to touch you. What I'm saying is when they try, they meet with someone. Isaiah 54, verse 15, right? What does it say? Anyone knows? Someone read it for me. They shall surely gather, but not by me. Whoever assembles against you, Shall fall for your sake. They shall assemble. No question. We're not disproving that. 
They would plan, plot, have meetings, connive, sit together for two weeks, strategizing how to ruin your life. But God says, I'm not in the midst of them. <laughs> Notice, whoever assembles against you shall fall for your sake. Look at verse 17, please. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage or inheritance of the servants of God. And their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Galatians 5, verse 1. What scriptures do people read? Where do people... Galatians 5, 1, please. Stand fast, therefore. In the what? In the liberty by which Christ has made you free. And don't be entangled anymore with the yoke of slavery. With the yoke of bondage of slavery. What are you reading? You know, some of you know how to skip this because you have no idea of these verses. So you skip them. You go to... Um, something. I don't know where you go to, but you find, some, you find something. You find something. You don't find, you, you don't find this. You find something. And you know, people know how to present you something that will keep you in this vicious cycle. But see what I'm giving you. It's not going to keep you in a vicious cycle. What I'm giving to you is going to take you from glory unto glory. Amen. From victory unto victory. Amen. From faith unto faith. From, come on now, say amen. We are preachers that are supposed to Simplify the complicated. But you go to some places, they complicate the simplicity. I'm not here to complicate anything. I'm here to make it easy. So that everybody walks out of this place and understand, my God. I have been free 20 years ago. I just didn't know it. <laughs> 20 years ago, you were free. Do you know how God speaks? I was teaching on faith in the Bible school, and I talked to the Bible school students about the tense of faith. What did God say to Abraham? I have made thee the father of many nations. But the man had no son. But God said, I made thee. I made thee already. I made thee. God didn't say, I'm making you. He said, I made thee. For God called those things that be not as though they were. I made thee the father of many nations. Many have been delivered 10, 20 years ago, 5 years ago, 2 years ago, when they gave their hearts to Christ, but they haven't heard messages like this to bring them into the fullness of what is already available to them. Messages they've heard has always caused them to retrogress. God don't want you to retrogress. The Bible says that as we behold like in a mirror, the word of God, we are being changed from what to what? From glory unto glory. Come on now, say amen. amen. 
We are changing in this church. This message is changing you. You can't leave this place and listen to messages like this and keep thinking bondage. My wicked mother, my wicked auntie, my wicked uncle, my wicked mama, my wicked this, my wicked grandma, my wicked... And even if they are, lay hands on them. Preach the gospel to them. Don't pray for their death. Every witch must die. People like to use that verse. Suffer not the witch to leave. I tell you why God says, suffer not the witch to leave. Can I break that down? <laughs> you won't find that in the new covenant. You find that in the old covenant. The reason why they would suffer another witch to leave is because back in the old covenant, no man could cast the devil out. The only way to expel this demonic thing that's building in the nation of Israel is to kill the carrier, the conduit of the demon. Because demons love to live in people. So the one that's practicing witchcraft, it's a medium to the spirits. And the spirits are going to ruin people's lives through this witch or wizard. So God said to them, don't let them leave because if they leave, they'll infiltrate the land. Suffer them not to leave. So they will stone them to death. But in the New Testament, you don't stone them to death, you cast the demon out. Because in the New Testament, we have been given authority to cast devils out. He that believeth in me, the works that I do shall he do also, and even greater works, because I go back to my Father. Right? In Luke 10, 19, God, Jesus said, Behold, I give you authority to tread upon snakes and scorpions and all the works of the devil, and none of them shall hurt you. In Mark 16, I believe it's verse, verse 17, right? Remember what it says? Go ye into the world and preach the gospel from verse 15, right? Right? And then he said, you shall cast out what? Demons, you shall take up what? Snakes. If you drink poison, you will not be hurt. You lay hands on the sick and they shall what? Recover. So the new covenant gives us better promises. The blood of Jesus speaketh better things than the blood of Abel. The blood of Jesus speaks mercy, not judgment. So we are not entitled and given the right to kill anybody. If you spill someone's blood, your blood should be spilled. For life is in the blood. Come on now. Everybody against me die, die. You know what? If they prayed, if, if <laughs> you know how bad you used to be. You probably, you're lucky nobody prayed for your death. If not, you wouldn't be here today. But here you are smiling now, you are a Christian. But all the stuff you did in the past, if someone had prayed for you to die, you wouldn't be here. So I propose... The faith in praying for their death, using praying for their salvation. Amen. 
As I propose, the faith used in praying for their death, use the same faith in praying for their salvation. Now, there has been cases we've seen in the Bible where people drop down and died. Ananias and Sapphira, is that right? Herod was struck down and eaten by worms. Is that true? And this was the Herod who was persecuting believers. And this was the Herod who was against the church. But not once did the church pray for the death of Herod. But the day he died, it was God's prerogative. It's not your, it's not your right. It's God's prerogative. His personal right. Is this helping anybody here? Am I preaching or teaching anything here? Should I continue preaching? I finish out, I want to show you curses and the cure. Well, Pastor God, you just said we are not under curse. Yes, we are not, but some people are. <laughs> and I'll show you. The first curse we see in the Bible is the curse of the ground. Genesis, two, Genesis 3. Verse 17, it says, Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it, notice, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you came, and out of the ground you shall return. Now I want you to notice, notice carefully now. Cursed is the ground. Not cursed is the man. That's a, that's a good place to say amen. amen. Now, though Adam sinned, he wasn't cursed. You know why God could not curse Adam? Because God had already blessed him. <laughs> God. <laughs> you, listen, when God made Adam, notice in Genesis 1, 26, 27, let us make man in our own image. Is that correct? In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And the next thing you see is it says, and God did what? Bless them saying... Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. So God released blessing upon Adam. Is that right? Chapter 3, Adam sins. Right? So God comes. God can't negate the blessing. Because the gifts and the callings of God are what? irrevocable. The Bible says once they are given, they'll not be retrieved. My, my covenant, I think this is Psalm 36 or something like that. My covenant will I not break nor alter the word that's gone out of my lips. Once I've sworn by my holiness, I shall not lie to David. 
So when God speaks, Isaiah 55, as the rain and the snow comes from heaven and does not return back there, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth and bud, that it gives seed to the sow and bread to the eater, so shall my word be. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish the purpose for which I sent it and prosper in the thing that I please. So when God speaks, he can negate that by the neg using the negative. He can cancel that. Now, does that mean what he said over you will happen? That's no guarantee. Because there are two sides of every prophecy. I want to say prophecy is conditional. Good. Now, God has said his word, but the, the fulfillment of that prophecy will depend on the carrier. Now, if the carrier of the prophecy does not do what is required to see the prophecy come to pass, that does not mean God didn't speak. God spoke. But the carrier did not do what he or she was supposed to do. Do you understand that? So when Adam sinned, God did not come and say, I curse you. Because God couldn't curse him because God already blessed him. Listen to me now. Listen, 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 listen. When God has blessed you, no one can curse you. <laughs> I said, when God has blessed you, no one can curse you. Listen, I don't care what the plan. People are trying to curse me. You, you can't work. It'll go back to where it came from. Amen. You can't curse me. It's not going to... You, I feel sorry for you trying to curse me. <laughs> I pity you. You try to curse me, I pity you. Because it's going to... You know, boomerang? It will boomerang on you. You can't curse one that God has blessed. It's impossible. Oh my God, I wish you knew I was talking about you too. You thought I was talking about myself alone. You can't curse whom God has blessed. So God came and God said, the ground. Because your sin has released something into the earth. Now from the sweat of your brow, you shall eat. Now the ground will no more produce to you like it used to. Because something is out of order. You shall plant, but what will you get in return? Thorns and thistles, which means you are going to work hard, but you're going to get very little. That's poverty. Poverty is a curse. Don't tell me poverty is good. Poverty is a virtue. Pastor God, well, you know, we have to be poor. No, we don't have to be poor. Poverty is a curse. Poverty is the twin brother of sickness <laughs> that was birthed by sin. Should I say that again? Poverty is the twin brother of sickness that was birthed by sin. Poverty and sickness go together. And sin is your father. <laughs> <laughs> curse number one, the curse of the ground. Curse number two, the curse of the law. Genesis 28 and Galatians chapter 3 verse 13. 
Now you can read Galatians 3.13 in your own. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Verse 14, it says, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So now, look at, look at me. The curse of the law is not on us. Now, if the curse of the law would come back, to a believer in Christ under the new covenant, it means they have missed it like the church in Galatia missed it. Who bewitched you, O oh foolish Galatians? Did you start out in faith? And do you think you can make yourself perfect by resorting back to the law? Because the Judaizers had come and they were, they were telling the Gentile believers, you cannot be saved until you are circumcised. So, bring out a knife. <laughs> so, that's what's happening today in many places. They bring out a knife to cut people. Circumcision. Some of you will get that next week. <laughs> Number three curse we see is the curse of disobedience to fathers. Listen now, listen to this. This is going to help you. Don't spite and don't despise your natural or spiritual father. Can I say that again? Don't spite and don't despise your natural or your spiritual father. If he is deeply hurt by you and he holds on to that hurt, it will not be well with you. You may do better. You may achieve more than your natural or spiritual father can ever dream of. But his position in your life can never be changed. He birthed you. Nothing can change that. You've probably heard stories of young men that will... I will never be like my father because their father was a drunk. They end up... If, if not even... Actually, they end up worse than their fathers. Because in their hearts, they judged them. I'll never be like my father because your father was promiscuous, but they end up exactly like their father or even worse. Generational curses do exist. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 2, 2 and 3, it says, honor, amplify classic, esteem and value as precious your father and your mother. It says, this is the first commandment with a promise. What's the promise? That all may be well with you. Honor your fathers. Honor your parents. If you want all to be well with you. And he says that you may live long upon the earth. I remember the day I walked up to my dad. This was many, many years ago. And uh, I, took, I took an offering to him. And I gave him this money. It was Sunday morning. Preparing to go to church. The moment I put this money into my father's hands, it seemed like something was stirred in him. And he began to pronounce blessing over me. I can't forget it. Fathers, bless your children. Bless them. Don't, don't curse them. Bless them. I can't forget that. He declared blessing over me. And I know that the Lord answered his prayer. 
Come on now, say amen. amen. I don't understand these days. I don't want to say these days. It's always been. But you know, especially in the West. Sorry, I'm sorry to use the West as an example here. Because it's a negative example. I'm sorry. But the church needs to be trained to honor older people. You know? I never called my father by his name. I never call. I never. I've, my father is late now, of course. He's in heaven. But not one time did I call him Jonathan. The, the, from where I come from, you, you kneel before your elders. Well, you know, we from Africa in particular, we come to the West and we see some children with so much disdain and disrespect towards their parents. Calling their parents by their name. John. <laughs> Mark. Come, let me, slap, let me slap you up the side of the head and knock some sense into you. I see, here, even here in Turkey, kids do this to their parents. Shh. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Are you seeing this to your, to your parents? Shh. Kids. Come, I'll kick, I'll kick your behind. You see my shoes? I'll kick your behind so hard <laughs> and knock some sense into your brain. Are you kidding me? Honor your father and your mother. Look at what it says here. Esteem them. Treat them with respect. Don't talk back at them. Don't forget what I said. You may achieve and you may do more than your father can ever dream of. Your mother can ever dream of. That does not change the position. Your father remains your father the rest of your life. Your mom remains your mom the rest of your life. Bible says honor your father and your mother. So that your days may be long and you may live well in the land that God is giving you. In actual fact, there is a place where the Bible says anyone who hits his father or his mom should be killed. It's getting quiet now. Obey your parents. But also in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, it talks about obeying those who rule over you spiritually. These are your spiritual parents. It says if you obey them and you listen to them, you make their work easy. But if you are disobedient to them, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says it will not go down well with you. Over the years, I've seen people split this church. I've seen people take a, peop take a group of people away. I've seen people... Scheme, connive. I've, I've heard people talk behind the backs of the pastors and the leadership. And they think they are justified. Well, that happened. Okay, continue. Amen. Number four. The curse of worshipping idols or worshipping devils. People patronize witch doctors. People patronize necromancers. Mediums. Here, here in Turkey, there is this thing they do. You drink coffee, fortune telling. They drink coffee and they turn it upside down and they start looking into your future. In a coffee? <laughs> Are you serious? So, you drink. <laughs> you see someone's future in a coffee? 
empty cup of coffee. No, you're not seeing anything. All you're seeing is black coffee. You're not seeing anything. The, use of tal the usage of talisman, you know, <clears throat> objects that you think protect you. Some wear it as, as rings and some as bracelets, some around their necks. Growing up as a kid, I had one around my waist. Oh, yeah. And I went to school. Nobody knew what I had around my waist. <laughs> I tuck in my shirt, walking to school, and I had confidence nobody was going to do anything to me because, you know, <laughs> this, this thing my mom tied around my waist is my protection. There's all kinds of things they do for protection. Even here, you buy a new car, they slit the neck of a, of a chicken, they spill the blood on the car, on the wheel of the car, for protection. If the stupid chicken could not protect itself, <laughs> how can it protect you? <laughs> Evil eye, that's the talisman. That's the chicken could not protect itself. You go to some places, there's this thing, this blue stone on the wall. It's called the evil eye. Yeah. There are all kinds of things. I mean, they put it on your ring. They put it on your necklace. They put it on your whatever. And you, people wear it. It's called the evil eye. How can the evil eye protect you? So these are the things that open the door to demons. Some of us from Africa, you know, people go to witch doctors. People go to fortune tellers. People want to find out what's happening in their family, so they go to consult with somebody who looks in. And even today, you see how people, they call themselves prophets, but they are witch doctors. Oh, yeah, they are false. That's what the Bible says. Test every spirit, whether they are of God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. I told you last week I'm not impressed because you give me my phone number or you call out my credit card number. I'm not impressed because you tell me the name of my street and all of that. Praise God for that. That's when you are by God, by the way. But when you are not of God, and everyone today in ministry, so many want to impress because if you can tell people their street number, their house number, the number of people in their family. And I'm not criticizing the good. There is the good. Jesus operated like that. He said to the woman, go call your husband, the Samaritan woman. The woman said, I don't have a husband. He said, yeah, you spoke well, but you had five husbands. The one you are living with right now is... <laughs> Jesus, Jesus did that. So I'm not saying those that are operating by the Spirit of God are evil. But we have to be careful that this is not our drive. This is not what drives us. We want to go to a meeting to have somebody tell us everything about us. People worship devils, they come under a curse. May God help us. Someone would ask me, Pastor, but all these curses, what's the solution? Repentance. Amen. Tell your neighbor repentance. Amen. Now, what do we mean by repentance? Watch me now. Look at me. 
Pastor Godwill? No. Okay, Godwill. Yes? Who are you? Well, I, I, I came to speak to you about the love of God. Okay. Is it okay if I talk to you for a minute? Yeah, of course. Jesus loves you, died for you on the cross of Calvary. Do you want to give your heart to him now? Yes. Jesus, come into my heart, forgive me. In Jesus' name. Lord, I repent. The word repent means to turn. And go the opposite direction. A lot of people come to church. Lord, I repent. But they never turn. You cannot keep sowing the same seed and expecting to reap a different harvest. It's, it's, it's Einstein said, that's, that's what? That's insanity. So, Lord, I repent. I used to go to witch doctors. I will not go there anymore. I used to run around with girls. I won't run around with girls anymore. I, I used to run around with boys. Answer, talk. I will not run around with boys anymore. I used to steal. So, repent and begin to do the opposite. The things I used to do, I do them no more. The place I used to go, I go them no more. The things I used to say, I say them no more. There is a great change. How do you sing? Since I'm born again. How do you sing? I just added that. I think I'm... That's it. Is that the way? Yeah. There is a great change since I'm born again. We can't say born again, born again. Born again has just become this cliché. Born again life is a changed life. Amen. Pastor Godwin, you don't know how hard Istanbul is. That's why I'm doing drugs. <laughs> Pastor Godwin, you don't know how hard Istanbul is. That's why I'm swindling money from people. Pastor Godwin, you don't know how hard Istanbul is. That's why I'm living with my boyfriend because I cannot afford to pay the rent. So he pays the rent. No matter the rate of inflation, the wages of sin is still there. <laughs> With Harry. <laughs>